0: that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message.
1: We all said together, you may be seated in the name of the Lord. How to fight for you. Did you leave a door open? If I can draw your attention to verse number 10 that says, So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and her went to the top of the hill when i was 27 years old i bought my first home i was living in boston massachusetts that's where i was raised although i was born in philly but i was raised in boston and at 27 i bought my first home the house i bought was a three-family house. I don't know if anybody's from the inner city or remembers that, where you could buy a home that had apartments in it. So it was three apartments stacked on top of one another. So the first home you bought didn't have to be just a place you lived, but it also could be income that also could help you as you are growing your financial portfolio. So I moved into the first floor, and I had a tenant on the second floor and a tenant on the third floor, and the tenant on the second and the third floor paid me rent, and with the rent they paid me, I was able to pay my mortgage, and so I bought my first home, but it didn't cost me anything monthly oh hallelujah and so that was what I did while other people were buying single family homes I bought a three-family house and my me and my family moved into the first floor of this three-family home when I got in there after a couple of months I discovered that I had roaches now I want everybody to say amen no I said everybody say amen amen Because everybody in here should know what a roach is. So don't start getting kind of squeamy or squeamish or funny because I'm talking about roaches. Because just about all of us on here have some kind of understanding of roaches here in North Carolina. That's where we are. Y'all call them water bugs. But they're just giant roaches. At the end of the day, we have an understanding of what a roach is. I had roaches. Not only did I have roaches, but... I had roaches in the day. Roaches in the day is even a greater problem because that means that you don't just have roaches, you have an abundance of roaches, my God. You're living in the overflow of roaches because roaches, mice, rats, any pest, any vermin, they're nocturnal. What's supposed to happen is you're supposed to turn the lights on and see roaches run. Roaches are not supposed to walk up to you at 830 in the morning and ask you for a sip of your coffee. See mice in the day? I have a mouse in my house. No such thing as a mouse in your house. Mice are communal species. If you see one, there's a whole bunch you don't see. And if you see them in the day, that means you have so many that they can't get enough to eat at night. So now you got some in the day. All right, you understand my situation. I had roaches in my house and I was seeing them in the day. I was surprised because I owned a three-family home, and I thought roaches was only connected to the projects. I was totally surprised to find that I had roaches in my house. I called my uncle, my Uncle Greg, my dad's younger brother, who was really a real estate mover and shaker, and I called him. I said, Uncle Greg, I got roaches in my house. I, he said, ah, I hear you. I said, I can't believe somebody in here got roaches. I just, I can't believe I moved in here, and I know I didn't have no roaches, and I moved into this house, and now I got roaches from somebody in this apartment. This One of these tenants got roaches. And he said, all right. He said, Andy? I said, yeah. He said, listen to me. I said, what do I do? He said, listen to me. Let, let me tell you what I want you to do. He said, go outside. Go outside. So I went outside. I was on my cell phone. I said, he said, go outside. I went outside. He said, now, I want you to walk around your house. So I, I didn't really know what he was trying to do, but I said, okay. And I walked around my house. He said, are you at the back? I said, no, I'm at the back. Said, he said, all right. Are you, are you on the other side? I said, yep, I'm on the other side. I walked in. He said, all right, are you back at your front door? I said, yes, I'm back at my front door. He said, okay. If you can walk around your house, those roaches are yours. You in a row home, you in an apartment complex, you in a something like that, them roaches is everybody's roaches. But if you can walk all the way around your house and to the other side, what you have discovered is that them roaches are yours. And the beginning of your ability to battle your roaches is to own that the roaches belong to you. You'll never get rid of your roaches. If you're in denial about the fact that your roaches are yours, you ain't got a shout yet. I know where I'm going. So I had to fight them roaches. I had to get this stuff called boric acid. I don't know if anybody remember boric acid. Wave at me, people, come on now. I bought boric acid, That's my uncle told me to do that. He said, okay, you gotta get this boric acid. He said, now you have to realize once you kill your roaches, they'll be gone. Because roaches don't travel and forage like ants do. Roaches travel with people. Talk to me. You've got to be careful. If somebody has roaches and they come to your house, roaches hide in their clothes. Roaches hide in their stuff in the boxes. Roaches don't go outside in the cold and figure out new places to go. Roaches move with people. He said, so if you got three floors, you will going to have to kill the roaches everywhere. But once you kill them roaches, they'll be gone. So I went and fought roaches. He said, you can't kill roaches when you see them. He said, the way to get rid of roaches is to poison them. So I had to go. I had to go to the second floor. I told the tenants, let me, I'm, I'm coming in. I went in. They were the main ones. They were the source of the roaches. People on the third floor had people on the first floor. We were just living in the overflow. But them folk on the second floor, they had roaches for days. I went in there. He told me, put it everywhere where there's water. Put boric acid, just a little bit of that white powder, everywhere there was, ro- uh, everywhere there was water. Uh, he, he said, make sure you get behind the refrigerator. Now I had put the powder everywhere in the bathroom, around the kitchen sink, and I got to the refrigerator, and I'm just like, I'm getting tired, and I don't, uh, I don't feel like putting this. And so I said, but I was taught, don't do a, don't do a job if it ain't gonna be complete. So I moved the refrigerator. When I moved the refrigerator out, there was just a nest of them in there. They they were just Just all over. And I just poof, 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 just threw that boric acid on them. And then, then I left. I put them in my place, third floor, and mainly that second floor. And within a week, everybody's roaches were dead. The roaches you are fighting, are they yours? Last week, I asked the question, who are the Amalekites? The Bible says that the Amalekites raided the children of Israel while they're at Rephidim. And I asked a question last Sunday that I attempted to answer. And that question is, who are the Amalekites? Now, I thought I answered it, and I, I gave you some answers, and, and I thought I could leave it alone and move on. But in the subsequent conversations I've had, I've come to the conclusion that a part of the problem that we have is we have a difficulty recognizing who our Amalekites are. I said that, and I'll throw it on the screens, but I said last week that Amalek is a son, he is a grandson of Esau, and so the Amalekites are descendant from folk that are actually in the family. I said the Amalekites are nomadic raiders, the Amalekites that they're fighting here in Exodus 17. I mean, they may be descended from Esau, but they're not close relatives. But what an Amalekite is, is an Amalekite is someone that comes to rob you of what you've got. An Amalekite represents the random attack. There is a difference in the enemies that you encounter on your conquest for greater and an Amalekite. As you move forward toward your destiny, you definitely going to have enemies. And you're definitely going to have opposition. If you never see any opposition, it may mean that you and the devil are going in the same direction. But the minute you decide to be greater, the minute you decide to have more, the minute you decide to take territory, the minute you decide you want your own property, the minute you decide you'd like to be boss, the minute you decide to have your own business, be partner, just understand, there is an attack connected to greater. But there's a difference between the attack that's connected to greater and the Amalekite attack. The Amalekite attack is, the Amalekites, I said this last Sunday, That in essence, the Amalekites became even more than just a literal genealogical people. To the children of God, to the children of Israel, the name Amalekite began to apply to anyone who was an enemy of God's people. Anyone who comes in on the random and attacks you. Anyone who you can't predict when they come in, anyone that the minute you get some joy and some peace and some blessing and some awesome and some amazing, before you know it, some Amalekite rolls through and tries to rob you of what you have. Here in Exodus 17, the children of Israel are on their way to Canaan. They ain't even got there yet. This ain't Jericho. They stop at Rephidim, a place of rest, a place of peace, because just when you relax is when the Amalekites show up. The Amalekites ended up being the physical embodiment of the enemy one of the challenges for us and why our relationship with God is ineffective and unproductive is because we have overly spiritualized the battle we rebuke the devil without acknowledging how the devil really works the devil likes to touch you through people You come in here and shout and praise and hallelujah, me too. Sure, the wrestle's not against flesh and blood, angels and principalities and power, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly realms, no doubt about it. That means that there is a demonic attention and a demonic strategy against your destiny. But it is an operation through somebody And so, in our rebuking the devil, let's not acknowledge how the devil moves. A part of how the devil moves is through an Amalekite invasion. And so, if you're going to be prepared for success and Canaan and blessing, you have to have your eye open On the Amalekites, we're talking about the random attack. We're talking about the attack you didn't expect. We're talking about the attack you didn't see coming. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And my question is, but did it prosper? And if it prospered, is it because... You actually left the door open because your Amalekites are someone that you have a hard time recognizing. Hold on for just a second. I was having a conversation with someone from our congregation. I won't say who they are. And let me just say this. If you have a conversation with me, be prepared that I might use our conversation for anything that I want to when it's time to present. You don't want that? Keep your hips right back in the seat or just walk on out and get in your car. But if you come up here and have a conversation with me, I won't use your name, but don't be sensitive. Someone came up to me, we're at New Year's Eve service. Oh my God. Afterwards, I'm talking to them and they said, Oh oh my Lord, I just tell you what, I just, I when we shouted, hallelujah, when we shouted Amen, when we shouted, when we counted down, and we shouted five, four, three, two, one, happy new year. And we crossed over into 2023. So I said, she said, I just shouted, I praise, because I did not think I was gonna make it to 2023. She said, I thought. I was going to die in 2022 I almost lost my life in 2022 said there were times when I just didn't think I was going to make it I was amazed I was surprised I couldn't believe that I survived the year and when we shouted in 2023, I just said, Hallelujah, oh my Lord, because I literally thought I was gonna die. I did not think I was gonna make it. The devil was trying to kill me. I said, Wow. She said, Yeah. I said, So you had stage four cancer? In 2022, leukemia, colon cancer, you had some kind of stage four cancer and you had to do chemo and radiation, you lost your hair and and you barely barely made, is that what happened? She said, no. I said, oh, so your child is in St. Jude's because they're having the problem and they're the one that needs the operation and they're the one that is sick and that's what happened in 2022. She said, no. I said, oh, so they laid you off from your job and you lost all your money and you're homeless and you're living in your car. She said, no. I said, oh, so the business that you started has failed and and you had your job and a business that was popping and that has failed and that's falling apart and you, and now you're in debt because of that and you just, she said, no. I said, well, Then what was it that almost killed you in 2022? And she proceeded to tell me, well, my ex-husband, my baby daddy, my uncle, this, they called me on Christmas Day, and they did this, and they said this to me, and this one was talking about me. And then my mama did this, and my daddy said this, and this happened, and that happened, and and I said, oh, mm, Amalekites. Sorry, it's a word I'm, I'm not allowed to say that starts with the letter N. You're telling me that what almost took you out in 2022 was... That's what almost got you. The drama caused by... That ain't never been good. They ain't never cared about you. They ain't never been on your side. They have never been for you. And your problem is you are in love with your Amalekites. Why did you take their call? Mama, your phone ringing. Who is it, baby? It says Amalekite. Ooh, let me go see what they have to say. And you got on the phone with somebody who is random and robbed you of your peace random and robbed you of your joy somebody that's a little bit mad that you're as blessed as you are I don't know who I'm talking to somebody that's already jealous somebody that ain't never liked you somebody that ain't never been on your side newsflash everybody ain't gonna like you tell somebody everybody's not gonna like you tell somebody, everybody's not gonna like you Just because it's just because she's your mama don't mean she's not an Amalekite. Just because it's your daddy don't mean it's not an Amalekite. Just because it's your cousin don't mean they're not an Amalekite. Just because they're your brother, I'm preaching to somebody, don't mean they're not an Amalekite. And your problem is you want your Amalekite to give you away at your wedding. We're at your wedding rehearsal waiting for somebody to show up that got an attitude that don't want to be there and got a little upset or something. Somebody that molested you and abused you and never paid for nothing and don't really deserve to be there, but you want your Amalekite to give you away. We have an inability to really identify who our Amalekites are. There's a whole lot of us that need to pull our phone out right now and put an edit next to people's names. Uncle Joe Johnson, Amalekite. The minute I see their name, I know this is about to be some drama. This is about to be some nonsense. Somebody better help me. This is about to be something stupid right here. This is about to be some "Mm," stuff. I can't say the other word because I'm fasting. This is about to be some "Mm," right here. Don't act like y'all don't know what word that is. This is about to be some nigger nigger right here. And instead of you blocking and deleting and pushing it to voicemail, no, no. You answer the phone and you allow somebody to come in and rob you of your joy. The devil is a liar. If you're going to rebuke anybody, rebuke them Amalekites. living with an Amalekite and sleeping with an Amalekite hanging out with a Malachite, and you have an expectation for someone who has always been your enemy to somehow now be better. I said, you took a call from your ex-husband. She said, yes. I said, has he ever been good? She said, no. Has he ever treated you right? She said, no. Has he ever been fair? She said, no. I said, all right. So what is it That made you take the call. Beloved, don't praise in here so much that you scared to fight in the valley. Oh, I got a word for somebody. It's a hard word. I'm sorry. Don't just Aaron, Moses, and her in the hills and not fight your Amalekites in the valley. You don't have a lawyer. How do you not have a lawyer? You don't have an accountant. How do you not have an accountant? You don't have that. How are you not prepared? You're not prepared because you really don't want to fight. You really don't want to fight. Tina Turner said, I don't care who's wrong or right. I don't really want to fight no more. It's time for letting go. I got that. But if they're going to come back and try to rob you of what's yours, if they're going to come back and try to take what belongs to you, why is your door open? I'm just praying that you will be Amalekite free in 2023. Oh, we got to make that a shirt. That's a T-shirt. Make that a T-shirt. Amalekite free. I want you to make a decision right now. I got 15 minutes left. I want you to make a decision right now. You are going to break up with your Amalekites. It's over. It's done. If they were going to be better, they'd be better by now. Ain't nobody 60 going to change. Ain't nobody 70 going to change. Ain't nobody 80 going to learn nothing new. You are stressed and frustrated because you have a propensity to love your raider. My dad says this poem. Let me say this real quick. My dad says this poem. I call my father. I'll move on. My dad says this poem. It's a poem that he quotes very often. And let me try. I don't, I can't, I don't have it memorized, but I, I have it in front of me. I asked him for it, and he gave it to me. Poem says, men don't believe. Men don't believe in the devil now like our fathers used to. They've got it arranged in their modern creed to let old slew foot slip through. There's not a sign of his horn or his hoof or a fiery dart from his bow. He's nowhere on earth, the folk now say, for men have fixed it so. But who is it that measures and mixes the drinks that ruin the heart and brain and fills the graves each passing year with a hundred thousand slain? Who dogs the step of the youth today with his fiery breath of hell? If the devil isn't and never was, won't somebody rise and tell? Who mars the step of the toiling saint and digs a pit for his feet? Who sows discord in the fields of time wherever God sows his wheat? The devil has now been voted out, and so the thing sounds true. But who is it that does the work the devil alone should do? They say the devil don't go about like a roaring lion now, but who shall we hold responsible for this everlasting row? We see it in the home and in the state. In fact, the whole world round, if the devil that God's word talks about Is nowhere on earth to be found. Won't somebody come to the front right now and take a bow and show how the liars and the frauds and the cheats of just one day spring up? We'd like to know. The devil has now been voted out, and so the devil quite simply is gone. Simple folk like us want to know who carries his business on. The devil is real. There is a supernatural force, an archangel who is destined for your destruction. The Bible says the thief come not but for to kill and steal and destroy, but that the Lord has come that you'll have life and that more abundantly. Stealing, killing, destroying. That's raiders. That's Amalekites. When Paul says to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the, uh, the devil's schemes because our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but angel principalities. So put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. That's a Malachite defense. When... The day of evil comes, you'll be ready. When the day of evil comes, you can stand your ground. When the day of evil comes, because a day of evil is coming. When a day of evil comes, one of the ways we know where you are, one of the ways we know how saved you are, one of the ways we know how how together you are is what happens when all hell breaks loose. Anybody can say hallelujah when everything's going their way. My daddy used to say, you don't know what kind of tea bag you have until you put it in hot water. We won't know where you really are till evil comes. We won't know how strong you really are till evil comes. We won't know how saved you really are till somebody cuss you out. We don't really know how saved you really are until... Evil comes. Understand, when the day of evil comes, it's not talking about conquest. Now, I want us to be about conquest. Absolutely. I want you to take territory. I want you to move forward. I want you to believe God for more. I want you to believe God for greater. But it's nigh unto impossible to get you prepared, myself included, prepared for the greatness of conquest if your back door is open and you are easily attacked by the Amalekites. So I've come to the understanding, Mom, that the weapons, these weapons that we think about are meant for conquest, quite honestly, initially what they really are is about you fighting for you. Because as the children of Israel discovered, as Moses discovered, as the Bible lets us know, you got to fight for you first. Number one, you got to fight for you. Number two, you got to fight for y'all. Figure out who your tribe is. Figure out who really love you. Figure out who really on your side. Figure out who rejoices when something good happens to you. Let all your Amalekites and haters go. You got to figure out who your tribe is. When they were about to go to take the children, when they were about to go and take the land, they were in tribes. There's a tribe of Ephraim and a tribe of Manasseh and a tribe, Re- tribe of the tribe of Dan. There was tribes. So you got to know who your tribal group is and not allow anyone to devise you from your tribe. Once you fight for you and you fight for your tribe, then you can fight for God.
0: If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible.
1: We were told right away, we are soldiers in the army of the Lord. The problem with that is that if we don't fix you first, you won't be a good soldier. First thing we got to do is get you a prayer life. First thing we got to get you to do is the, the number one thing we got to do is get you to fight for you. Because Moses came to deliver the children of Israel, but when they got to the doorsteps of Canaan, they were unable to take the land because it's hard to make soldiers out of slaves. So the first thing we got to do is we have to get rid of our slave mentality. We'll never be able to fight a battle for the Lord with a slave mentality. Number one, we got to get you to fight for you. When I look at the armor of God, I see it now really as You being armed against your Malachites. You being armed against the random attack. You being armed against you being unleashed against you. You making up in your mind that life is hard. I said, life is hard. Life don't owe you. You don't deserve. I want the love I deserve. There is no love I deserve. I want what I'm owed. There is no what you're owed. There is what you fight for. There is what you take. There is is that you make up in your mind that you don't have to fight for that. It is naive for you to believe that anybody going to give you anything without a battle. It is naive for you to think that someone who has forever been against you is now for you. Believe for the best, prepare for the worst. And we have to move on. From the naivete of God is watching. Sure, God is watching. But you know what the Lord said to do? The Lord said through Paul, "Well, let's put on some armor. Put on the full armor of God, so that when your day of evil comes, you may be able to take your stand. You may be able to stand your ground. So when the Amalekites run, come running through, you're going to be good." He starts off number one. With the belt of truth. It's right there in your Bible. He says, stand, after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The first that thing that he gives is a truth belt. He's saying that you need some place for your sword to be. Because a sword outside of truth is dangerous to you. And one of the challenges for many of us is that the word has been used against us outside of its eternal truth. The Bible can be dangerous to you if it's not wielded in truth. If the Bible is used to reinforce your enslavement, if the Bible is used to reinforce you being less, if the Bible is used as it's been used for a long time, if the Bible is used to reinforce one group's position being greater than everybody else's, then what has happened is a sword meant to bless you can actually cut you. There's just too many of us, and if you weren't raised in church, okay, but there's just too many of us who have been wounded by a sword not properly sheathed in truth. They told you you couldn't wear red. They told you you couldn't wear makeup. They told you you couldn't wear earrings. They told you not to be cute, and you needed to be cute. They told you the way they wielded the Word did more damage to you than it did good. And we are now facing a day, a time, and a society in which the the other religions are outracing the Christian faith. Christianity is at an all-time low, and it's because the sword is not in a belt. I've said this before. I'm saying it again. This right here, this Bible, is an eternal expression. Our job is to find the eternal expression of truth, not just the generational, cultural expression of that truth. This Bible is a cultural, generational expression of eternal truth. There's truth in it. It is the Word of God. But it is the word of God manifested amongst the people of a time. It's why when the Gentiles got saved, the apostle Paul battled against the Judaizers. Because he said, well, we can't now try to put our cultural and generational expectations on this other group. Because if we do that, we'll make the sword ineffective. When the word is only communicated or dominated by one particular group, it fails to apply to everybody that don't look the same. And so, if we really going to have a sword... Sword is great, but a sword meant to bless you can be a weapon used to hurt you and enslave you if it's not housed in eternal truth. It's all right. I'm not trying to get too deep. But the question is, well, what is truth? Our job is to fight for truth. Our job is to realize that Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. But most of us were taught principle, over people. Most of us were taught faith over love. Paul says that now abides these three faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. If Paul says now abides these three faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love, if he's making a list and he says that love is the greatest, it is totally reasonable to surmise that faith, which is the first one, is the least. But we were taught that faith was first because we were taught faith by a group that don't love. Because to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself, which is the greatest commandment, is something that the group didn't do. I'm going to make everybody say something to me on that one. You can't make love the greatest when you don't do love. No, now faith has to be the main thing because you can't really push something that you don't do because you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And you certainly don't love your neighbor as you love yourself. You certainly don't love other continents as you love yourself. You certainly don't love other people. Actually, what you do is you use this to prove to them that they are less so that you can rob them and rape them and pillage them and take from them and you wonder why they deny Christ. We got the nerve to be upset that Gandhi doesn't want to accept Christ when the people that taught him Christ were the same people that eradicated his culture, and took over his country. Do you think Gandhi's in heaven? I hope so. I hope God is bigger. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I'm fasting. I'm sorry. I'm not a universalist. I'm just telling you. Will not the God of all the earth do right? I don't know where he is. I'm praying that God will have some understanding for someone who found it hard to be a Christian when he's taught Christianity by people that are trying to kill him. I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move on. What has happened is we have not made the gospel of Jesus Christ universal we have made the gospel of Jesus Christ only really applicable to one culture of people and as a result of that the gospel is now ineffective and it's unproductive our job is to right this wrong Wave at me. Say something to me. And if there's anybody that can do it, it's black people. Now, if you white in here, keep on coming. Hallelujah. But if anybody knows how the word can be used against them, it is African-American Negroes. Talk to me. And you can't dig a hole 400 feet deep and get out of it with a ladder that's only 50 feet. You can't rape and pillage and rob and steal and sell and buy a group of people for 400 years and in 50 years fix it. Talk to me, I'm looking at black people. Talk to me, the Civil Rights Act wasn't even signed into law in my lifetime. I can still move my body in my lifetime. Young people, don't be so naive. We have just begun the struggle. We're only 50 years into our real freedom. And if anybody can acknowledge that the gospel has been wrongly used, it's us. Do I sound upset? I am. Do I sound bothered? I am. My heart is for my people. I'm not against your people, I'm just for mine. And I'm done. With this gospel being used to divide my people and rob my people and eradicate my... Who am I talking to? I am tired of the continent that I have been birthed from being the lowest continent in the world. Can you say eternal truth? Can you say eternal truth? Can you say eternal truth? I want everybody to say it. Eternal truth. Don't get stuck in a generational, cultural expression of truth. Sit, 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 sit. But this is how we always did church. Well, how you did church is that cultural, generational expression of church. Give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time religion, give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. It's not good enough for me. It's not good enough for me. It was effective then, but what if it's not effective now? What if it doesn't work now? What makes you believe that you have the corner on truth Now, I know y'all look at me and just believe, oh, Pastor Andy's just so wonderful and popular. and Everybody loves him so much. I'm here to tell you that is not the case. Because Pastor Andy somehow has become a representative of a desire to be effective and not just traditional. Praise God for tradition, but I want us to be effective. I'm going to make you put your hands together. I love the choir just as much as anybody else. And I listen to Hezekiah Walker just about every day. But at some point, we got to make some changes if we're going to win the world. Truth belt. That's number one. Number two, breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is the breastplate. Now, righteousness was communicated to us as some kind of perfection. That's how many of us were taught about righteousness, that you have to be perfect and you have to be holy and you have to do everything exactly right, although the Bible quickly communicates that there's nobody righteous, no, not one. For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody in here need grace. No, no, I that that I mean was weak. Everybody in here need grace. All of us need the blood of Jesus from the pew to the pulpit. Me on the stage, everybody running them cameras, definitely the people running sound. Everybody need Jesus. All the musicians, they need Jesus as much as anybody. Everybody need Jesus. Pastor Tony needs Jesus. Pastor Tyrus needs Jesus. Pastor Al, he don't need no Jesus. Yes, he do. We all need Jesus. He said, therefore... Since you have been justified by faith, you have peace with God through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And so when, when I say righteousness, what I mean is faith. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So righteousness and the shield are very similar. When the Bible says, take the shield of faith, They're very similar, because righteousness is just faith. But the difference is that righteousness faith is your personal relationship with God. Shield of faith is a faith that you can stretch from yourself and even block somebody else. Shield of faith is quenching fiery darts of the enemy Which is meant to back you off of territory. But breastplate faith is the confidence in knowing that God loves you, that God cares for you, that even when you don't do right, God is still on your side. I wish I had the confidence in knowing that even when I mess up, God still has my back and my front. And that. I think about my relationship with him more than rules. I would contend, get a prayer life and I won't have to tell you what's wrong. (sighs) Get a prayer life and the Holy Ghost will tell you, don't go in there. But what we did is we made it a rule book because... We don't understand that righteousness is about relationship. It's about being justified by faith. It says, have your feet fitted. I want to finish. Have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Your feet is your foundation. Your feet is how you stand. Your feet is is the balance. Your feet is what you're standing on. That's your feet, the shield of faith. I just talked about that, the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation, my God, I'm out of time. I have to pick it up next week. The helmet of salvation, whoa, don't knock over. The helmet of salvation is here to protect your mind. Your mind is protected from sal- by salvation. You're justified by faith. Your righteousness is as filthy rags in his sight. Why? Are you saved? Why do you come to church? Why do you practice religion? Why do you practice liturgy? Why do you practice it? This dude's trying to fall. I'm out of time. Why do you practice it? Thank you. He's good. Thank you. Why do you practice it? I know we all want to be free, and we all want to live by grace, and we all want to do whatever we want to do. But why do we practice, practice salvation? Why did I say that you will, what shall I render unto the Lord? I will take up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I'll fulfill my vows. Why do we do that? We do salvation because salvation keeps you from being crazy. We're mentally weak because we don't have a prayer life. Not only does prayer move the arm that moves the world, but prayer also keeps the devil out your head. I don't need a witness. The prayer keeps your Amalekites at bay because when they call you and tell you something that's not true, since you have a relationship with God on a regular basis, your, your mind is protected by salvation. We are living in a time in which we are more free spiritually in our practice and never as lost and never as bound and never as stressed and never as crazy and never as on medicine and never as, uh, we are, it's okay to drink, it's okay to smoke, it's okay to this, it's okay to party, it's okay to that. We have dropped our helmet of salvation and we are the worse for it. You were raised, you had to be in church every Sunday. They didn't care if you wanted to be there. Your mama made you go. I wish I had a, there was no air conditioning. There was no theme for the ear. There was no lights. They did not care. They made you go. Now you done got liberal and free and talking about grace and you in the worst state you've ever been in. Because there's something about the consistent practice of religion. It can't trump relationship, but there's something about the practice that makes you a better human. Talk to me. You are better when you go to church. I I need a way. You are better when you go to church. Wait, say something. You are better. When you leave out of here, you're like, no, 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 I can't be cussing this week. I can't be lying this week. I got to get myself together this week. I cannot be cussing. It's the Lord's Day. You are a better somebody when you practice faith. Well, I don't believe in that. I, I mean, I believe in God, but I can just worship the Lord in my own way. Fine. And you're broke And you're lost and you're scared and you're sick and you can't go 30 minutes without a hit from your vape pen because you have traded one religion for another. The thing about salvation is it makes you believe, I'm done, I'm done. The thing about salvation is it makes you strong in the Lord. The thing about salvation is you like, oh, no, no, I talked to God this week. The thing about salvation is you have those words, hide, I will hide thy word in my heart that I might not sin. The thing about the practice of salvation is you leave out of here humming that and not Jay-Z. Okay, Jay-Z's old. Give me somebody new. Two chains. <laughs> that instead of humming that is that that somebody right? Two chains is somebody? No, kinda. No. Who? Little Nas X. Thank you very much. I have to go listen to Little Nas X. My point is, is you got Little Nas X running through your mind? No, don't listen to him, Pastor Andy. Whatever you do, don't listen to him. Got you. If you're telling me not to listen, then why are you li- <laughs> Why do you know? Well, we can't have a pastor up here quoting Lil Nas X. If you get up in the morning to Lil Nas X and drive to work with Lil Nas X and go to sleep with Lil Nas X, you're going to have a Lil Nas X life. You better get some Jesus in your morning. Your grandmama said, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. You better wake up in the morning with your mind. You better turn your plate down. You better come to some prayer. You better get around somebody that believes in you. Pet a kid around, some folk that got faith, Elder. You don't need to be talking to everybody that's always got something to say and always got something to say. you got to protect your dream. Oh, I speak that over this room right now. I speak it. you got to protect your mind. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. This is all for you. This is how you fight for you. I have sons that live with me and moving out in school and whatnot, and they live with me, and once they reach a certain age, I stop making them come to church. Any of my sons here? My son is here. One of my sons is here. No, clap for him. He came to church. I didn't make him come to church. Because at some point, we can't make you get the thing you need. My God. At some point, you've got to realize that you are fighting against a battle for your life, son. The devil is trying to take you out of here, but we rebuke the devil over your life and all of your friends and everybody in your generation. But we can take you to water, but we can't make you drink. At some point, you've got to realize that the devil is real, and he's trying to take your life, and we can't make you come to church. I don't make them come. Because I know the truth. One of these days, you're going to need God. I need a witness in here. I need somebody to clap so my son will hear So he'll know you thought you had it together till hell broke loose. You thought you didn't need your mama's church till hell broke loose. Then you said, let me get my hips back down to that church. Let me get in there. Let me get in that pool. Let me get to talking to God again. Because I found out weed don't work. Drugs don't work. Booty don't work. Sex don't work. His hands are big and his feet are long. It won't fix what's going on on the inside of you. You better get some Jesus. Mm -hmm. You better get some Holy Ghost, not no spirit, ghost. You need to be in church. You need to come. You need to serve. You need to give. Oh, this is amazing. Let's give to the work of the kingdom of God. Have a seat real quick. Don't nobody go nowhere. You need to give. But we over, Pastor. It's all right. It's not even, it's a little bit more than two hours. You owe God 16. You owe God 16. Tell somebody, be a tither. Tell somebody else, be a tither. Come on, tell somebody, be a tither, be a tither, be a tither. Being a tither doesn't just mean tithing to the church. It means tithe your time. For many of you, that's that's the biggest lesson that you heard was that, the, and I, if somebody make sure, I want to make sure I got the math right. It's 164 hours anyway, 168 hours. My God, I gave you less. 168 hours, 168 hours, Elder. That means that 16 hours of your week ought to be tithed. You ought to spend at least 16 hours of your week talking to God and reading a book pour it into yourself if you need an offering envelope you can simply raise your hand one of the gatekeepers will come to you and quickly and give you an offering envelope I want everybody to try to give something to the Lord today and if you're gonna this is our building fund offering we're on our way to a new space donate towards Victory Park take a picture of that QR code come on let's be givers because the practice of giving is a practice of religion, it is a practice of salvation. Somebody say, I don't believe in tithing because it's not in the New Testament. Well, whatever. The truth of the matter is that tithing is a religious practice. The tenth belongs to God. You start giving God the tenth, not only will God bless you, but when you start giving God the tenth, you start thinking about what, pers- what portion are you saving? What portion are you investing? How much are you spending? If you're like, Pastor Andy, I'd love to tithe, but I can't. That's bad. That's bad. That means you're living beyond your means. That means you'll never get ahead if you can't tithe. You're going to die broke if you can't tithe. I'd love to do it, but I can't. Got you. That means some changes need to be made. It's the practice of consistency. It is a helmet of salvation. And can I tell you something? You have a whole other level of confidence when you are tithered. tither. I want a few more amens on that one. You think to yourself, well, I can't be out of a job that long because I give to God. I tithe. I serve. I God about to do something for me because your faith and your confidence comes from something more than just favor. Ain't nothing wrong with favor, but there's also harvest. So, Right now, a part of the practice, God don't need this money. You're exactly right. But the church does. World overcomers, we're on our way to another place. We're trying to establish something that will outlive us. One of the challenges to the modern church is that the church begins to be stuck ministering to one generation because it's dependent on that generation's giving. Most of the churches we grew up in are dying. You ain't got to say amen. Most of the denominations we, gave, we grew up in are dying. They're dying because the church was built to just cater to boomers. You millennials and Xers, you couldn't stand that church. It was born, It was dry. It was tired. It was this. But they couldn't change it. They have to sing Sweet Hour Prayer because the people that come there want to hear Sweet Hour Prayer. And the church is dependent on the giving from those people. One of the ways that you make the church multigenerational and you secure it against that danger is the generation that establishes it sets it up so that the next generation don't gotta worry about the money so much. It's one of the reasons why I'm not just trying to build a church. I'm trying to build this whole Victory Park thing. I'm trying to have income from basketball courts and income from daycare and income from all counseling center and income from all this other stuff so that when all of us are gone, world overcomers don't have to keep doing church this way. Just for the few of us who are still breathing who gotta have it this way. We have no idea how church is going to be in 40 years. People might not sit down no more. We have have no idea. And so when you sow, when you give, when you pay your tithes, you're giving to the kingdom. You're giving to something bigger than you. And nothing will save your mind like being a part of something bigger than you. What I'm a part of is bigger than the part I play save your mind what I'm a part of is bigger than the part I play you know how I don't lose my mind devil tries to attack it all the time is because I realize what I am a part of is bigger than the part I play I'm gonna make everybody clap for that everybody oh my god Pastor Andy they laying people off at my job it's okay because what you're a part of is bigger than the part you play you're a part of something bigger. You seek first the kingdom. You seek it first, not only, but first. So I want you to give. Dig down deep. You're watching live around the world. Dig down deep. Our plan is to go back to two services this year. We gotta, we're got back. We're coming back more and more. And, 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 but, but not just in the room, but everyone around the world and everyone in the, everybody. Let's give to the work of the kingdom of God can I get you to give just something don't 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 spend more on but you're, you're consecrating so let's get, give me some of that chicken sandwich money you ain't eating you ain't eating chicken sandwiches right? Now. don't get me to talking about food help us out you're not eating that you're not drinking coffee remember okay the average Starbucks drink is six dollars You drink a starbucks drink every day six times five that's thirty dollars okay so can you put that in here right now because you ain't drinking it right now the bible says give and it shall be given unto you again good measure pressed down shaking together running over will men pour into your lap the bible says that god will make you rich so you can be generous God will make you rich so that you can be generous. He'll only give it to you if you can trust you with it. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray for this offering. God, we pray that you'd bless gift and giver. Thank you, God, that no weapon formed against us can prosper. Thank you, Lord God, that right now we belong to you and we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. Tis so sweet to trust you. Tis so sweet. To practice faith. Thank you for what you said to us today. Thank you for speaking to us. Now take this offering and multiply it supernaturally to the upbuilding of your kingdom. In the room and around the world. Have your way in us. Kingdom of God come. Will of God be done. In Jesus name we pray. We all sit together. "God God bless you as you give. God bless you as you give. God bless you as you give. As the bucket passes, you jump on your feet. Don't move. Let the armor bearers serve us. Anybody hear a word from the Lord today? I went way over. But was it good anyhow? Was it good anyhow? Anybody hear a word from the Lord today? Come back next Sunday. I'm talking about how you can fight for yourself. And particularly, I'm going to start, Pastor Elder, Elder, Elder Paul, you're going to love this, because I'm going to start talking about prayer. Because prayer will keep you sane. And if you're going to be ready to take territory, You have to be sound in your mind. Hallelujah. I know we've made a bunch of announcements. Don't forget February 1st, that's my war council. I want this room to be full and jammed. It's a Wednesday night. Put it on your calendar. Starts at 7. We're going to come. We're going to pray together. We're going to worship together. And then I'm going to talk to you all about where we are and where we're headed. If, you're a, if you serve, if you attend all the time, if you're a member, visiting member, here all the time member, if you watch around the world, you haven't around our area especially, and you, you you're, this is your church, you need to press your way to be in here. Because it's not going to be televised. It's not going to be streamed. Because I'm going to talk business about what's about to happen with us as we are moving from this place. February 1st. I know there's a bunch of stuff that's in the bulletin. But February 1st is my meeting. I want you to be here. That first Wednesday in February. Amen? Come on, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. That's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Thank you that the entrance of your word sheds light. And as we walk in the light, as you're in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, your son, cleanses us from all sin. Thank you for living so big in us today. Thank you for everyone that you brought here. It's raining, but you brought us together. Lord, bring us back to hear your word. I pray that everyone that came here today will receive a great return on the investment of this time. And we'll bless you for what you do, what you say. And as we always pray, bless your people. Make your face shine upon your people. Be gracious to your people. Cover your people. Bring us back next Sunday to worship you and to hear more word about the warfare. In Jesus' name, we all sit together, amen. God bless you. Greet somebody in the name of the Lord. Give somebody a high five or something. See you next Sunday. See you next Sunday.
0: Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on W-O-C-C and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.